Welcome to Hannibal's Horny Abachi, a weekly dinner party where we watch and discuss an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. I am Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd. Let's go around the table and introduce the rest of the party. Hey, my name is Celeste. I'm a nerd, an artist, and I'm new to Hannibal. Hi, I'm JJ. I'm a local filmmaker, local nerd, and the fanable of the three. And this week we watch Saki Zook, which first aired March 7th, 2014. In this episode, Bev embraces her inner Jodie Foster. We find out that the cornfields are really the scariest places on Earth. <laughs> and Hannibal gets got. So, my first impression of, the, of this episode is that the show is what the human centipede wishes it was. Because I think a lot of people think gore is the ultimate source of horror but the way they used it in this episode freaked me out so much gosh <laughs> so i cringed so much yeah. in this episode it was so gross because like the whole scene where he was pulling himself free i could feel it my whole body was like in in itself like i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't relax at all until like the scene was over mm. well they do a similar scene in um in the movie hannibal where uh freddie lounge is glued to the chair like mm. they they show the skin being pulled away like he doesn't pull himself free but like they have the same effect and i think seeing skin unnaturally moving like that i mean like away from your body <laughs> yeah it's like, <laughs> like gloving while you're alive <laughs> But, uh, so the cornfield was giving me flashbacks to the time Celeste and I were playing <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. <laughs> I was like, why are cornfields so scary? <laughs> well, it's always been a universal thing. Like, cornfields are scary. Like, have you ever been in a cornfield at night? Spooky stuff. <laughs> well, it's like, a, well, there's a local corn maze that's here, and I'm like, I don't know, like, I keep wanting to go, but the idea of being in it at night. Hannibal's horny hibachis field trip. <laughs> <laughs> It's like me with a chainsaw. Hey, I found a, uh, uh, I found a shortcut through your corn base. <laughs> but, uh, so, like, I think the, the whole beginning of the scene, like, the whole beginning of the episode is pretty freaky. Reminded me of uh, the scene where Ashley Judd's character is escaping from Casanova and Kiss the Girls. Because, like, she has, she has a similar... Um, she has a similar dilemma. She either risks, risks her life and jumps into the river... Or go back and obviously be killed. So I really like that that choice thing. That was my favorite part of the episode. I was like, yeah! I'm going to die on my own terms. <laughs> I guess it's pretty nice, too, to have a choice of, like... Because you know you're going to be murdered once he catches you, so might as well, like... That, you can't take that from me, I'll take it from you. It's like, hi, I'm off the cliff. <laughs> off the cliff and die myself. I wrote here that, you know, he was, like, such a strong and brave character to the end. It made me so sad when, you know, he died. He hit that cliff and he fell. Oh, yeah, that made me so sad. Because I'm, like, he was, like, he only had, like, maybe ten minutes of screen time. Maybe five at the most. The ten at the most, five at the least. And he was such a compelling character. I wish he was if he had stuck around more. (laughs) I was rooting for him hardcore. I wish he had been the Ashley Judd character in Kiss the Girls where he survives, uh, gets, um... Gets cleaned up in the hospital, survives for a little bit longer, then comes back at the end to get everybody. You know what I mean? Like, kills the guy. Well, and kissed a girl, she didn't kill the guy. But still, like, you get my meaning. You get my meaning. (laughs) So, Will is, first appears in this episode, crying, saying that he needs Hannibal. I think he's saying that he needs Hannibal's help, right? Yeah. And then we cut back to his cell where he's like boohooing and then he's not crying anymore. 
Yeah, oh, that yeah. stone cold blank stare. Just like, oh. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> manipulative <laughs> little shit. Well, did, uh, I had a question for you guys. Did he have Hannibal fooled? Mm, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I'd say yes and no. I think he at least made Hannibal go, hmm. Because you, you, you saw the like the classic like head tilt a little bit <laughs> in that scene. So I think he's like, is he? like? I think it, it's more like, I don't know if this is the will I know and love if <laughs> if he's crying. But he's probably like, nah. I suspect but something. Probably, like, yeah, I suspect something. I don't think, I don't think he believes him. But he's going to go with it anyway. But he is learning from the best. Like he... Um, since a lot of the murders from first season were, were Hannibal's, the person he's been in the mind of the most is Hannibal. So, of course, he's learning all the tricks of the trade, as it were. Mm-hmm. So that I think sense. that, like, he's able to be as manipulative as Hannibal. It's at least, like, if he were an RPG character, like, he has leveled up in that case. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Not to be crazy. I also, do. if you hear us uh, drinking, we're having wine. Except for me. I don't like wine. Yeah. Apple cider is my thing. Yes, let's clink. Let's clink. <laughs> Man, I feel fancy. <laughs> well, and I specifically chose the wine. It's called the uh, Betta Costa. And I only picked it because it was Italian. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's just something Hannibal would drink. It would cost $9. So <laughs> I was just like, ah, I'm just very bitter. <laughs> I think I wrote, I wrote a note here for, for this first part when I first meet Hannibal. I said, first time Hannibal's voice and presence was irritating, downright infuriating oh yeah <laughs> for me like especially considering you know we all know i love hannibal after like when this started i was like eh. well he's obviously faking yeah because he's like oh let me be your friend it's like we want i want to help you and it's like fuck you no you don't <laughs> well the thing is because we've watched the whole scene where that guy got murdered mm-hmm. and we were rooting for him so hard and mm-hmm. then he dies in the end so of course you're still angry about that and then she, like you should they show Hannibal's smug little face, and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm still so angry. So <laughs> I remember she's one. <laughs> I want to punch your beautiful face. <laughs> but in the next scene, after Will is revealed in his cell not crying, which is kind of hot in a way, but <laughs> we go to Hannibal's office where Bedelia meets with him and tells him that she doesn't want to see him ever again. Mm-hmm. So I thought that the, this whole scene was like, was later in the season. We were talking off mic about how I felt that a lot of the stuff that I, that, that was my favorite of season two ends up a lot earlier than I thought it did. So I'm like, oh, it's so happy to see her like being, being in the scene so quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bedelia's fear in the scene make, made me really scared. <laughs> she's like, she's, she's composed, right? But right, you right. can see it. It's like mm-hmm. her body, kind of like she steps back and he steps forward, so you can tell like she has a cool face, but you know she was scared. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like uh, that scene where Hannibal's staring at her when she tells it, tells him like, "Don't come, don't come to my house ever again." It was like, oh, such good acting, because it could have been easy enough to make it such a like a stereotypical scene, but like they made it so good, it was like a dance, an <laughs> evil dance. That's like I love this, I love this weird two minds where it's like. Uh, you know, because I know what I know about Bedelia, I don't quite feel sorry for her. But what I do feel, I feel I relate to her, mm-hmm. you know, being 
in in a in a room by yourself with a predator, you know, and that's Hannibal, and she knows there's well, something knows off she, about him. Yeah. She, like she hints at like what what it was. Again, she doesn't tell anybody what it is. She just hints at it, but she just says, "I know you're dangerous," and it's just like that's enough to like I was like, "Get out, get out, girl, creep <laughs> well, out the door faster." And she doesn't like she like she knows that he's not letting on the full extent of how terrible he is. Too mm. like she knows that there's more to it than that. And I think the extent of that is what freaks freaks her out because she doesn't know. Yeah, like the unknown of that is like, oh yeah, he could be like, well, I don't want to say Hitler, but he could be. Well, he is the devil. Yeah, he is a monster. Yeah, and he's pretty terrible because like, um, and Bedelia is um, like she knows that telling him that she's not going to be a psychiatrist anymore is going to piss him off. And yeah. it's just like it's one of the scarier things. So I'm like, like. Look what happened to the guy he considers his best friend. Look where he is. Like, what the hell happens to the people in his life? And so, like, I, I don't even like the idea of, like, Hannibal being somebody you could talk to in real life. Like, because it's like, anything you say could piss him off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see what happens by the end of the episode. How he feels about this moment. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you can't, you know, exit out of Hannibal's life. It's either... Unless he wants you to. <laughs> it's his choice. And it's, you can't really live after it. Yeah. After knowing Hannibal. It's like, you know my face. You gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't be friends anymore? All right, you're dead then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a scene where they're in the morgue behavioral science unit. And they talk about post-mortem injuries. And so I have notes about this. So oh. give me a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so there are three types of traumatic time frame uh, mortem injuries. Anti, peri, and post. The easiest to determine is anti-mortem as trauma tends to heal. If healing has begun on a broken bone, for example, you would know it happened when the person was still alive. Prairie-mortem is trauma that happened at the time of death. This type of trauma is often used by forensic anthropologists rather than pathologists as the latter prefer to focus on anti-mortem or post-mortem. Post-mortem trauma is often used to see if a person was killed. If a body is found in a burned-down house, for example, evidence of post-mortem trauma would be valuable. Fractures caused by heat can be compared to fractures that may have been caused by damage inflicted to the corpse. In cases of intentional arson and murder, bodies are often found completely fried, but with their lungs clean of soot and smoke, showing that prob they probably died before the fire started. Thanks to author Ashley Smith for this info I found on Google while searching how do you know a body was killed by the fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Google. Like, I'm not trying to kill anybody. <laughs> but it was a really interesting article. I think it's called uh, Postmortem Bone Injuries. But yeah, if you look it up, uh, Ashley Smith, uh, Postmortem, you'd find that article I read. Really interesting stuff. But it was from a forensic anthropologist's perspective. Because, mm -hmm. well, that, then you know it's probably a little bit of dry reading. So you really yeah, need to be... Yeah, but it was really interesting. Yeah, you need to be into it for it to be interesting. <laughs> Hold on, I'm opening a can of cider. I love you. I'm the only one wearing headphones, so... <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> but please, go on. So, uh, I was laughing my ass off at Hannibal fakely bumbling and getting in the way of the sun. I know! So, I'm so like, that is so fake. <laughs> You're doing that on purpose. I, I hate Hannibal, by the way. Oh, he stands where he used to be. He knows where he's supposed to stand. <laughs> Like, everything about him this episode is making me angry. Because <laughs> I'm like, you're playing stupid. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> you're just making me angrier with rage. <laughs> but, uh, so, 
So this episode is the start of their focus on how Will has changed since encountering Hannibal. There's a line Hannibal says where he questions nature versus nurture, and the question of whether your environment or your genes makes you the person you are. So this is like a like something that was really interesting to me. Like, what does he think made Will the way he is? I think it's even though he says he doesn't believe in nature versus nurture, which is that idea like the environment makes you the way you are, or your genes make you the way you are. So you're set in your ways. And he says he doesn't believe in either. And I was like, it's kind of a lie. Because he wouldn't be trying to influence Will if he believed that nature didn't have uh, an influence on him. Mm-hmm. But this is me being a nerd about psychology right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he, you made him that way. You so bastard. He's your golem. And he just said it just because he's trying to sound cool. I know. Yeah. I actually wrote a note about that where um, I was listening to Brian Fuller do a podcast on uh, on a different show, and he, it was a really great podcast because he he, get, he asked him questions like as if the audience didn't know much about him, and I was like, actually, you know, come to think of it, I haven't asked for looked very much what Brian's all about. And Brian went, uh, Brian Fuller went to school to learn psychiatry. And oh, therapy. nifty! And I was like, all the freaking babble makes sense. <laughs> like, how does he know so much stuff in the script and all that? And I was like, of course. So that makes a lot more sense. And then, like, the way he wrote a paper or something, and his teacher basically said, "You need to go to film school." (laughs) It's like you got some good ideas. Like, go go do that. So he tries to do that, and then he got into well, you know, he plugged into he wrote uh, spec scripts for this and that, and then he got into writing, and now we got the Brian Fuller we got now. So let me say it. And the rest is history. And that little (laughs) Brian Fuller grew up to be. I want to see what he wrote beforehand. Sorry, looking it up. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, I think another thing, a cool thing I wrote here was uh, okay. So we got Hannibal talking to uh, Will in his bird cage, <laughs> and one um, interesting note when he was reading the thing. Oh, I got a paper cut. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Well, I don't know when that happened, but anyway, that's a fresh notebook. Friends have a symmetrical relationship. Uh, there's a power differential between doctor and patient. And I just thought that was interesting because then I was like, hmm, that's a very good point. Friends should be uh, relatively on equal footing. And I thought that's probably why I don't have many friends. <laughs> we have a podcast together. <laughs> but it'll be hung up. It'll be hung up. No, no, this, is, no. this is different, though. This is different. <laughs> But no, like, I was also thinking of uh, me and my husband because, like, my husband actually doesn't have a lot of friends, and he's always just kind of like, uh, he's like, "That's why I'm with you, and that's why I married you." He's like, "You're one of the few people that uh, I enjoy enjoy their company." He's like, "I don't oh. know, any, I don't like anybody else's company." <laughs> he's like, "That's why I only see my family in small doses," and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, "Huh," but it, it was, I'm not insinuating anything. Oh, I just yes. thought that was funny <laughs> with that note. You know, friends have a sim- symmetrical relationship, and I just well, thought that was interesting. Well, there's give and take, right? Because yeah. like uh, the worst type of if it feels like work to be friends with you, I won't be friends with you. If you were actually saying that at me, I was like, that's yeah. right. <laughs> me and JJ are really good friends. <laughs> Both on and off the podcast. I understand. I'm high maintenance on but, both. But I had a friend who, it was just a 
has to be around her just because she if plans change which they often do with me just because i i like to be uh spontaneous mm-hmm. like my sister understands that because once when i uh we went to vegas for celeste's uh sister's wedding uh we went to i was like i want to go eat at serendipity three and they were planning to just go walk around and they're like no let's go sonia's like that like like, you have to fly by to see your pants with Sonia. And so this friend was, like, so, like, every time plans would change, she would take it as a personal insult. And after a while, I'm like, I don't really like hanging out with this person anymore. Mm. Maybe I shouldn't. Because it's, like, any type of relationship is hard work, mm-hmm. even if it, with friends. So it's it's bothersome to, like, feel like you're doing all the work. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I love, the friends I have right now are brilliant. I love them. Like, I have some friends who are kind of hard to take in certain doses for other people, but I like them. And, like, when she's <laughs> smiling, she doesn't talk about Yes, but, I know exactly what she's talking about. But it's like, uh, each of my friends gives me something different. Mm. And if I feel like I need to be away from them for a while, I will be. But, like, the best thing about adulthood is that you can pick up and uh, pick up where you were and be friends still. Mm. Yeah, because when you're an adult, you have lives now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and other adults know and understand that. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's only kids who are like, you, you're hanging out with me all the time, so we're not best friends anymore. <laughs> it's like when you're a kid, your best friend is the person who lives closest to you. Like, that was my thing. Like, all my best friends in high school were the people who read books who I didn't necessarily like, but I hung out with them because they read. <laughs> so. mm. But it's just weird, because, yeah, like, the friendship that Hannibal thinks he has with Will always bothered me, because I'm like, do you not see that this is not a friendship? Like, were you raised by wolves, probably? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we go by the Hannibal Rising uh, origin of this Hannibal, then he he had a traumatic childhood. But, yeah, it's like, have you ever had friends? Like, real friends? Like, the only people he's friends with are people he pays to be around. So it's like Bedelia is his friend, quote fingers. And uh, what was it? Franklin was his friend in a way. Was Franklin his friend? No, he wasn't. Yeah. I love Franklin. He doesn't really have friends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like I have people I I talk to. It reminds me of that quote from Golden Girls where uh, Blanche is uh, dating a guy who doesn't want to have sex with her because he's like, uh, he's old fashioned. And so she's terrified about it because she's like, well, like, if I don't have my sex appeal, then who am I? And she goes, like, uh, she's talking to the girls about it. And she's like, uh, Dorothy's telling her that she can have a platonic friend. And she's like, I already have friends I don't have sex with. You guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's, like, how Hannibal sees it in a certain way. It's like, oh, I spend a lot of time with this guy. I like his thought process. We're friends. Even though he's, like, totally ruining Will's life. Yeah. Each episode, it gets a little bit worse. Yeah, I know. You just want to smack him. Because <laughs> is, is, uh, is Alana his friend? I would think, yeah. Colleague more. More a colleague, but I, I think she is kind of like at least... Oh, uh, I forgot she, about her. <laughs> she kind of moves up the level every little bit as a, as a friend. Yeah, because she started it more as a mentor. Yeah. Like a mentee type thing. Because we know where it's going later. Yeah. Well, me yeah. and JJ know. Yeah. <laughs> but, mm. but, uh... I know, we just, like, secret <laughs> wait, 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 So, yeah, that, that's the only reason I say she's probably a friend. So, if, like, Hannibal has friends, it's, like, one and a half, which is... Well, no, two and a half, because I guess, again, Jack Crawford's, like, a colleague, but he invites him over for dinner. And he know? seems so. to be pretty good friends with Bella, too. Like, well, quote fingers, friends with Bella. Yeah, like, ish. Yeah. He likes her and... By association. Like, yeah, he wishes her well. Yeah, so that's why I say you probably got like two and a half. <laughs> yeah, Alana, Jack, 
and then the half is Will. <laughs> not even half. It's not even half. Five percent, yeah. yeah. Not even ten percent, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it just bothers him to me because I just love um, that uh, people keep visiting Will in prison. I know he's like the most popular guy <laughs> yeah. in prison. I feel bad for the other guys that are on his floor. <laughs> Every yeah. time they hear footsteps coming, they're like, yeah. oh, oh. Or they just like walk by oh. <laughs> to go see Will. <laughs> but. If you guys don't mind, I could get to the really long true crime segment this episode. Oh, because um, it's kind of interesting. Aren't they all interesting? <laughs> <laughs> but this one is more about um, how a, an oppressor can influence the oppress, which I say as a as a bunch of native ladies talking to each other. But okay, <laughs> so uh, Hannibal doesn't believe in either nature or nurture. So I got this thinking in this episode about people who have been influenced by the horrible situations they've gone through. Like, as in later episode, we hear about the other give a quote to that. I'll save it for later because it was one of my favorite quotes. But anyway, today's Under the Table segment, true, Under the Table True Crime segment. Do, do, do. <laughs> That's our music. This is like Jeremy by Pearl Jam. But this segment focuses on Gypsy Blanchard. So, Gypsy was born in July 1991 to Dee Dee and Rod Blanchard. Dee Dee was 24 and Rod was 17. And they had been dating briefly before Dee Dee became pregnant and Rod married her, like any good southern boy would when the situation arises. Before Gypsy's birth, Dee Dee and Rod broke up and Dee Dee went to live with family, taking Gypsy with her. By the time Gypsy was three months, she was in the hospital repeatedly due to sleep apnea and was suffering from an unspecified chromosomal disorder. When she was seven, she fell from a motorcycle she was riding with her grandfather and got a laceration on her knee. She ended up getting a number of surgeries to fix the knee injury and was confined to a wheelchair from then on. Gypsy began to suffer from seizures and symptoms of muscular dystrophy which required so many hospital visits that her mom took her out of school altogether by the grade two. Gypsy taught herself to read through Harry Potter books and was homeschooled, but not very much, it appears. Uh, so Gypsy had a feeding tube put in along with a surgery where her saliva glands were removed due to her uncontrollable drooling. She also had tubes implanted in her ears due to numerous ear infections. Dee Dee and her daughter moved from New Orleans to Missouri after Hurricane Katrina and were often given charitable gifts such as free trips to concerts, backstage passes, Disney, going to Disney World, and were given a house from Habitat for Humanity that had a wheelchair ramp and a hot tub for Gypsy's muscle condition. On June 14, 2015, a status update was posted on a Facebook account that was shared by Gypsy and her mother. The status read, The bitch is dead. And then 17 minutes later, was updated again with a status update that the poster... But the poster admitted to violently killing Dee Dee and sexually assaulting Gypsy. Cops were notified when phone calls to Dee Dee's home went unanswered. Dee Dee's body was found and Gypsy was missing. It was quickly determined that Gypsy was without her wheelchair, her oxygen tank, and her medications. Friends of the family were worried sick, and one of Gypsy's friends, a neighbor she spoke to often, told the police about Gypsy's secret online boyfriend. Police traced the IP addresses on the Facebook posts to a home in Wisconsin. During this time, a GoFundMe account was set up to pay for the funeral of Dee Dee and possibly Gypsy's when she, if she was found. 
The cops got a warrant for the home in Wisconsin where the Facebook posts had been made and found Gypsy's secret boyfriend, Nick Gojin, at his parents' home. They also found Gypsy, who was okay and able to walk on her own and far more eloquent than the police had been led to believe. Nick and Gypsy were arrested as it became quickly apparent through their Facebook and text messages to each other that they had planned to kill Dee Dee for weeks due to abuse that she had inflicted on Gypsy. So, Dee Dee had been abusing Gypsy both physically and mentally for years, convincing her that she was sick and punishing her for any behavior that would say otherwise. Gypsy had attempted to run away numerous times, and each time her mother would convince the people Gypsy had gone to that she was underage and had the mental capacity of a seven-year-old. Gypsy had run off with another online boyfriend when she was found and forced home by Dee Dee, who broke Gypsy's laptop with a hammer and threatened to do the same to her hands if Gypsy ever tried to leave again. Dee Dee had told Gypsy that the police had documents on file that showed she was unable to she was unable to take care of herself and convinced her that no one would believe her if she ever tried to escape. Mm. A doctor had been suspicious of Dee Dee's behavior when he noticed that Gypsy's leg muscles were far more developed for someone who should have been confined to a wheelchair. Dee Dee had doctor's notes mailed directly to her. So when she saw that the doctor had mentioned that all of the symptoms Gypsy had apparently exhibited were only ever seen by Dee Dee, Dee Dee stopped seeing the doctor and went elsewhere. In the documentary, Mommy Dead and Dearest, Gypsy maintained that she loved her mother, but it was obvious that she wanted a life of her own that didn't include her mother's control over every aspect of it. After numerous attempts to leave, she felt that the only option was her mother's death. Uh, so the documentary goes more into it, but it seems like Gypsy, Gypsy had manipulated guys before to get what she wanted out of them and had only been stopped by her mother convincing the guys that she was younger than she was. There was some reports that Nick had been suffering, Nick, her secret boyfriend, mm. had been suffering from schizophrenia and may have been on the autism spectrum and he also had a criminal past. Gypsy mentions not even liking him in real life when they met. But she, as not liking him as much in real life as she did online, mm-hmm. but saw him as her only escape. The story is really big, and I think you can make an argument that Gypsy is not as innocent as she's trying to portray herself. But I reckon she learned from the best. Her mom was a horrible woman who family suspected was putting poison into their food in an attempt to kill her stepmother. In the documentary, her dad is asked about Dee Dee's murder and how he feels about her death. And he basically says that she got what she deserved. Mm-hmm. So Gypsy is currently in jail for 10 years and will be out probably when she, I think she's like 22 now, 31. I, but yeah, like it's a pretty hardcore story. Like when it came out, I was like following it on Tumblr and on the Tumblr, Reddit. And it's a pretty bizarre story because like you can see that Gypsy really had no choice in anything that happened to her. And she repeatedly was, like, expecting the doctors to figure out that something was wrong. But the doctors never did. Or if they did, uh, her mom would be like, okay, we're not seeing them anymore. Like, so she, people who should have saved her didn't. So she had to manipulate her way to find out what what she could do to get away from her mother. Because she mm. loved her mother. Like, you can tell that in the documentary. But she needed to live her own life, basically. Like, uh, but so, like, I didn't get the, get into all of it, but like, she lost her teeth from the medication she was taking. Her mom would put um, medication into her feeding tube that when she was sleeping, so she wouldn't know what was going into her. She was living off of like, uh, you know, those Infolax, like those uh, meal su- supplement 
meal supplement things you eat them and you drink them and it's like having a full course meal oh yeah. that's all she'd eat for like two years of her life Ooh. and i remember hearing that she like she preferred prison to living with her mom Ooh. and i'm like she's not in a good prison either <laughs> she's like i don't know look it up it's a really interesting story buzzfeed did a really really good uh article about her and yeah it's like it was one of the big things that I was reminded of when I was watching this episode. Because I'm like, Will is Gypsy. <laughs> Hannibal is D.D. Blanchard. Everybody knows it now. <laughs> I don't know. Because you can see, like, it's the Stockholm Syndrome thing. Like, because Gypsy thought that her life was like that. Like, this was the normal. Kids normalize their stuff. And yeah, I feel bad for her. But I do think she did manipulate the, the guy she was with to try and save her. But watch that documentary, Mommy, Dad, and Dears. It's really good. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, uh, it's on HBO right now. It's HBO. Yeah, but it's. I was watching it and it was grossed out because there's this. Uh, the grossest scene in the movie was, Dee Dee or Gypsy was like 17 when this photo was taken. There's a photo of her with her head shaved by her mom, and her mom is bathing her in the sink like she's a baby. And I'm like, she's 17. Get her out of there. Like, wow. I don't know. I thought my parents were overprotective. <laughs> I don't mean that's a joke. I like they're really overprotective, but I'm like, man. Thank God my parents aren't that bad. But I'm reading a book on uh, Munchausen by proxy, which is what they think Dee Dee suffered from, where it's like, you make someone else sick to get the sympathy that they get. Like, so you're like, you're taking care of them. So like, oh, it's so good. You're, you're such a hard worker, blah, blah, blah. And this woman that wrote the book, her mother would give her matches like they were candy. So she'd suck on the sulfur. Like, it was bizarre. I was like, man, people are crazy. Mm. So I don't have a kid, but like... I, I just see kids now, and I'm like, I'm going to protect you. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. <laughs> but yeah, I had to bring up this case because I'm like, okay, I can see similarities right now. Because it's like, you have to do what you can to survive. Mm-hmm. And I think Gypsy was one of the... the, the we'll bring, bring up the quote again, but Bedelia says, the traumatized uh, are unpredictable because they know we can survive. And I think that describes Gypsy too. Even though I think she is guilty. But... <laughs> But, um, so, the sort of shit that Bev and Jack were doing in the office, that bothers me, because I'm like, so he's basically covering his own ass by saying, okay, go do what you're going to do, and I pretend this conversation never happened. I'm like, that's why cops are terrible. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll do what I want anyways. It's like, I'll do what I want, pretend we didn't have this conversation. It's like, any other job, you'd be fired, but... Uh, this is like his third time doing it, right? Yeah. He's like, because like, uh, we count, uh, what's your name? What was the first? Miriam? Mm-hmm. He did it with Miriam. He did it with Will. And now he's, he's doing, doing it with, with Beverly. Oh. So it's like three three in a row. It's like learning right. his lesson. It's like, what's the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over? Oh. Damn it, Jack! I knew there was a reason I didn't like him. Like, I love Jack as a character because I love yeah. the actor. Well, and he's a funny character. I like him too. Because he's like basically Hannibal if Hannibal was a, was a force for good. Yeah, if he was tr- trying to be more legit. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. I think they're both similar in terms of their insanity. Because they don't care about anyone. Like, I think Bella is is Jack's will. Like, in terms of, like, in uh, the Hannibal relationship. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't notice that things are going bad for her either. Yeah. But he like, loves her. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it's just like, ugh. <laughs> I love Jack, but I don't love Jack. <laughs> but I was noticing that this the last, the last two episodes, at least, last three, like, including the finale of season one. Very Sons of the Lambsy with Bev as Clarice Starling. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. I made a note here. Um, <laughs> from Hannibal says it in the films. 
And then Will says it to Beverly. Oh, yeah, I know. Give me the file. I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> can I have then, some time alone? Yeah, with can it? I have yeah. some privacy? It's like, do you mind? It's like, yes, I do. <laughs> so she can't leave you with it. That's perverted. Yeah. I know. And I, and I never noticed that until I watched it again. I was like, hey. <laughs> but I think we should have a bonus episode where we watch it. Because I, I, like, the differences in portrayals in Hannibal is always fun to watch. Because mm. I love how creepy, uh, like, Mads doesn't, Mads doesn't do it in, in the show, but, ha- like, Anthony Hawkins does it where he doesn't blink whenever he's on camera. So you notice it, and it's like, <laughs> Have you seen what I'm like that? No, I have not. We should have an episode. We should do a thing where you sit and watch the movies. <laughs> or pick like, oh, you guys going to be with me? Or oh, like, well, because the ending scares me, because there's a, there's a whole sequence where Clarice is alone in a dark place with the killer, and he has <laughs> no. night vision goggles. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> You want me to watch this alone? I really like the cinematography in uh, Silence of the Lambs. It's pretty good, yeah. Because it's a lot of, like, POV. Well, and, and a lot of, like, straight on, like, right frames. Like, who does that? Nobody. Well, it's like a documentary in that way. Like, yeah. It's like they're talking to you. Like, you're a character in the movie. I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it, I think that's why it's so unsettling to see Hannibal in that movie. Because he's looking directly at you and he's talking. He's like, eh. Look, but, I imagine how scary that would be in a theater. I think what it is, too, is they're really encouraging you as the audience, yeah, to participate and to think. Like, mm-hmm. figure out the... The, as the clues and all that as you go along because I know that's one like huge complaint uh, my husband has whenever he, we watch movies mm-hmm. is you see the plot you see the formula right away and mm-hmm. you already can tell what's going to happen you go oh the, the killer's probably that character because that's the way formula dictates um, it is and then it turns yeah, that out that's sense. what it is whereas in this or in Silence of the Lambs it kind of even though you kind of know you're still kind of like Ooh, okay. You're still stimulated in it. So well, you only know as much as they do. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Well, and there's that one scene in um, in Silence of the Mams that I thought was scarier than anything in the movie was when, because Clarice is uh, basically Miriam. Uh, she's not a not a full agent. She's a student. Hmm. And she goes into this room that's full of uh, male FBI agents, police officers, and they all stare at her. And you're, the point of view of the camera is her. And everybody's looking at you, and you're. And I'm like, oh man, I felt this before. <laughs> it's like a little scary. Like, <laughs> like women in in male dominated jobs always know that look. Know that like, what the hell are you doing there? That look. Because like, even if guys are really good, like um, Celeste's brother in law is like that, where like he's an awesome guy, but he has that look too sometimes, where a woman will walk in as his boss, and he'll be like. Eh? Yeah. Not that he's an asshole. <laughs> they all have that look. Like, I love everybody. I love all the guys in my life, but they all have given that look to a woman in power. I love you guys, by the way. <laughs> if they just say, he's like, just getting angry the whole time. <laughs> Do they listen to us? Uh, I think uh, Luther does. <laughs> Luther, shout out to you. Shout out to Luther. <laughs> but he called me, uh, he was making fun of my haircut, so I get to call him out on it. <laughs> I shaved my head almost a little bit today, so it's just, nice. just a little bit. Just, just a tiny it's bit. It's just not. <laughs> I'm just playing with it right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, I like it a lot. Oh, thank you guys. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> we should watch Sons of the Lambs. I haven't watched it in a long time. It's a really good movie. I think it's one of those movies um, that def- made horror an art. Like, I think mm. a lot of people don't mm. consider horror an art, because, like, Freddy versus Jason, that sort of thing. But I'm like, it's perfect sometimes. Like, The Exorcist is a scary movie, but it's beautiful. And what else? Um, the Cabinet of Dr. Kogari is beautiful. What else is a good horror movie? Shining? Uh, what's that? That's 
my sister. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, I hear a baby. <laughs> like, a, an artistic horror movie. I think people just belittle it too much because it's like, mm. ooh, it's for kids. Or like, yeah, like, uh, it seems a lot of uh, horror cinemas now, like, uh, B-movie material. Mm. And... I think that's supposed to be the the is the ultimate goal when you write horror films is trying to make it regular movie material a movie. Uh, another a fun one I liked was Cabin in the Woods. The oh yeah, remake. I remember that. Yeah, I remember people were asking me, so how was it? How was it? And I was like, my favorite part is when the unicorn appears. <laughs> That was great. People used to look all confused, right? And I'm just like, watch it. You'll see what I mean. I go, and the mermaid was cool, too. <laughs> They're like, what? Sounds magical. Just, it's a pretty cool movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, that's a good example where it, it, it really messed with your expectations. Plus, it also played with uh, the tropes that are in horror films. Mm-hmm. Like, if anyone hasn't seen Cabin in the Woods, I don't want to spoil it. But I like the way it's set up. It's like all those things were like, let's split up. And the, so-and-so's like, why? <laughs> that sounds know? like a dumb idea. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's do it anyway. And they, they explain it in the film why this, these things are happening and why they're making all these dumb decisions and all. So it's it's a great film. Uh, even if you're not a huge fan of horror films, which is me, I'm actually not a huge fan. If it's, ca- if it's kind of artsy, yeah. like, or really, I don't know, cool, like Silence of the Lambs. Did blah, you blah, see blah. Uh, what's a horror movie? I think Pan's Labyrinth is kind of a horror movie. Too. It, it kind of it, is. It's yeah. a weird... It's kind of intense. Yeah, it's kind of like a dark. weird, dark, romantic kind of like... Uh, Magical realism. Thing. Yeah. That is more disturbing, I think, than, yeah. uh, <laughs> than scary. But yeah. Well, like, disturbing is scary, too. Because, like, mm-hmm. I, I really hate this... Uh, like, we're all drinking right now. <laughs> yeah. I really hate yeah. this uh, this thingy where... Um, that that time when uh, torture porn was really popular? Mm. I hated that because I'm like, okay, anybody can show me, like, my, my intestines and think that, like, ooh, that's scary. Like, but the... Like... Uh, in this episode, we don't see that much gore compared to like what is actually happening. Like we see him, po- like we see really because like, I wrote down that there's <laughs> well, the gore that's... has been like well, I'm the improved <laughs> since season well, one. Like well, we did eat a leg this episode. I know, but, but like it's not. Um, if if Hannibal was cutting somebody's leg in an Eli Roth movie, the blood would hit the camera. Mm. Like oh, blood just ever spurting everywhere. Yeah, yeah, if 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 Hannibal was eating a person steak in an Eli Roth movie, the steak would be bloody and would have a person shape. <laughs> like I'm just thinking about this uh, <laughs> this this graphic novel called Cross, which is like kind of a zombie thing. But there's a cover where they have a woman who is crossed. Uh, she's like an infected zombie, and she's eating a person like it's a turkey. Like the the person is tied up like a turkey. Like, yeah. and I was like grossed out by it. I'm like, okay, I'm, like. But that's not horrifying. That's gross. Like yeah. horrifying is, um, to me, is when he's gonna. He's obviously gonna kill Bedelia in that office. Like if she if she lets his guard her guard down enough, he will kill her in that office. And and like she would never be seen again. So it's more like tension. Yeah, ten, like make me scared. Like make me think Maybe that he's gonna like kill hold me. Hold my breath yeah. during the scene. It's like I like. We're coming up to it, like, uh, JJ knows, but there's a scene in, like, uh, in the next few episodes where he's legit terrifying. Like, the first time I saw it, I had nightmares about it. I'll, I'll tell you when we get there. Okay. But you, you will have nightmares about it. Like, the first, okay. time I, when, the first time I saw it, like, Hannibal was not a human being in that scene. He was the Wendigo. Mm. in that scene. And oh, I'm like, that God. scares me. Like, the idea that, like, the, like, he, like, will hurt you. 
and not care. And I'm like, that scares me. I don't know. That's why I love horror. Like, I like, too, that he shows up twice in his uh, plastic suit. <laughs> I called you know, the first, like, down. his, like, space suit, and then I saw it the second time. Oh, he's wearing his murder suit again. <laughs> yeah. Which bothered me, because I'm like, wear a hairnet, too, if you if you don't want to leave trace evidence. That bothered me, because his hair is all coiffed perfectly. I'm like, you're leaving hair. You're leaving hair. <laughs> he's styled it so long in the morning, he doesn't want to mess that up. Well, he actually has an alibi if his uh, hair is actually in her place. She oh, yeah, he was there. He yeah. had therapy sessions there, so... What he's mostly trying to do is keep uh, trace evidence getting on him, on his mm-hmm. suits and all that stuff. So, I I think, yeah. and obviously blood stains and all that. So. No, I mean when he went to the cornfield, he was wearing the the suit. Uh, before, well, that too. I think yeah. that way none of the corn and the smell and all that stuff latches onto his suit. That's the, the only reason I think that was kind of. Yeah. And this is the first time I noticed that the suit went over his shoes too. I'm like, oh, he's wearing footy pajamas. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I didn't know this. I still have regrets. I wish I made my husband wear that for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> the missed opportunities. But oh, I did didn't know guys, yet. I didn't. Did you guys find it creepy when he like smelled that corpse? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No one noticed how close he got. Yeah, he got like, really yeah. close. Yeah. He smells like corn. Like how does he? How does he separate it? You know what I mean? Like how does he separate? Okay, dead body, the resin they're covered in. Uh, the smell of decomposition, the mm. smell of the room. Like, I was well, he like, has a good nose. We, yeah. we figured that out in that uh, previous episode when he, like, smelled a disease on somebody. Yeah. yeah. I think he's just able to, like, pick it apart. Like, uh, a good example is actually today. I dropped my, uh, <laughs> I dropped my brother off at the airport, and as soon as we stepped out of the car, he's like, why does it smell like Caesar, Caesar salad? <laughs> And I'm like, I take a big whiff. I'm like, well, what's Caesar salad made of? I'm like, uh, it's like fish or something, right? Uh, not Caesar salad, but that, uh, Caesar dressing. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, oily. It's like yeah. oily. It's fishy. And like, there's a couple of ingredients in it. I go, I bet you were just smelling like, uh, like probably manure actually is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, it was like really weird. I'm like, and he's just like, oh yeah, I guess so. He's like, but yeah, all it smells is like Caesar dressing. <laughs> Well, in psychology, um, they teach you a lot about brain biology, and the the part related in your brain that relates to smell is also close to the place where you create long term memories. Mm. So that's why smell is more powerful in, as a, a memory of things than uh, any other thing, any other like eyesight and like taste and stuff. That's true. You ever yeah. like get a whiff of something and it brings you back to when you're like in third grade and you're like, oh wow, I forgot about <laughs> that memory until now. Well, I, uh, I I I had a specific type of hair cream that would always take me back to the time I went to Australia and I'm like ah like I've never seen you too in Sydney and like smell of the ocean so I'm like why do, why do we sound like a traveler so that's so lame so, it's like ooh I smell the, the Chardonnay what are you talking about that's like awesome <laughs> sometimes it's like I feel like scents are like you know that's really cool that sometimes a scent will bring you back to a good memory like mm-hmm. that like whenever I smell Old Spice or leather I, this sounds funny but I'll finish <laughs> Old Spice and leather sounds I th- like a saucy I think, I think of my dad because he oh, always used oh, to no. wear <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I was like, just wait. He used to wear a leather coat all the time that used to have, like, you know, native organization on the back. And Old Spice was what he used for underarms. So that's what, oh. that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's imprinted in the in the fabric. So even if he's not wearing it, it still smells like that. Well, exactly. So that's, whenever I smelled it, I'd be like, I smell my dad, but my dad's not here. So that's weird. <laughs> well, my mom uses Pantene Pro-V uh, shampoo. Mm. And she leaves it here. Like, cause she, uh, well, we're, we're recording in my apartment, by the way. So she leaves it in my bathroom. So sometimes I use it if I'm out of my usual shampoo. And then I smell like, I get a whiff of my mom's hair. And I'm like, oh, it smells like my mom. <laughs> like, and it's just funny because, like, 
I love scent memory. Like, I, I always make fun of Hannibal's superpower being uh, that he smells really good. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> I get, like, he must have a dog sense of smell in that way. Because, you know, like, minuscule amounts of blood he could probably smell. Or, like, oh, somebody spilled some bad wine on this carpet. <laughs> oh, what was that? Yeah, I made another note about that. Now that you remind me of the dog thing. Because now I go back to Alpha, Beta, Omega, Diamond. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, now I can... <laughs> With this episode, I picked up a note, and I was like, hey, okay, now I see where more of that came from <laughs> within the fandom, why the fans well, saw it, from, and yeah. yeah, where they wrote it. it well, I already said it was when they were talking about uh, friendship and power differentials. Uh, <laughs> who are more dominant, who's more submissive is very, very, very popular in the fan fiction. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay, there's another... <laughs> for the fans where that shit comes from. <laughs> no offense, fans. I love reading it. I'm just saying. And a classic gif, famous gif alert, is when he pokes his head and looking down at the mural. I love your work. Yeah, oh many laughs so hard. <laughs> that's, a, that's my favorite thing of this episode. It was I was kind like, of dorky. I love the famous gif. <laughs> well, I love how he's like, hello. Well, I'm like, we're <laughs> yeah. the freaking party. He's like, what the hell? Hello. I'd be so hey, freaked hello. out if I was in the middle of Killing somebody. I don't want to see someone's head poke out. Hi. Love your work. Love your work. It's like, get the fuck down. Get the you said it in was made me laugh. I was like. Because <laughs> he's just like, you're not talking at Whole Foods, damn it. Like, stop being such an ass. I mean, I don't know. Hannibal likes to fuck with other killers. Bit of a god complex, it seems. <laughs> we already knew he this. He wants to be but the still. alpha killer. Yeah. Uh, yeah so he's no. like, I want to be better than you, but it's like, I believe in God, but I think I'm also better and maybe on equal footing as God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about Hannibal. It made me kind of like really grumpy at him in this episode. I'm just like... Oh, yeah. Ah. What does he say? Um, wait, hold on. I got the mind burn, my mind, my notes. <laughs> so he said, uh, so the killer tells him... God doesn't exist. And Hannibal's like, I'm certainly not with that attitude. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, attitude. That. that was my favorite exchange. I just love he's like so angry on God's behalf. He's like, not with that attitude. Hannibal, <laughs> man. He created you for this. So, but it's, um, we discussed it earlier where he's cutting the leg. Oh, mm. It made me throw up. I could taste it. It was gross. Like, cause they hold on it for so long. Like, cause, um, Okay, I, I am desensitized to gore. I hate when gore is realistic. And it was realistic in this episode because the leg is hairy, for mm. one. The skin moves like it is being cut. Mm-hmm. That freaked me out. And, I was impressed with that, actually. Yeah, and then and the bone looked real. I was yeah. like, Ooh. Hail to props. That, that shit looked real. Like, Thank you for making me throw up in my mouth a little. I didn't want to sleep tonight. Yeah, I made a note about that, too. I'm like, great cooking scene, but I'm not a fan of the meat. I don't like bone and meat. Yeah, bone and meat is so gross. <laughs> I, don't like those yeah, I don't like bone in my pork chop. I don't like bone on the chicken, you know, like thigh. Or, I like boneless. <laughs> so. Oh, so why you said you didn't like wings earlier? Yeah, I don't like I was that. getting boneless wings, which are basically chicken nuggets. Which is a shame because, like, you know, I've eaten wings, I've eaten ribs, you know, I've eaten, like, like you know, bone in steak and pork good. and chicken and all that. But I just, I don't like having to eat around the bone. It... Or, like, with skin still on stuff. I just, it feels, um, it's in my way. It's <laughs> like cannibalism in a way, yeah. A little like, bit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I just I just don't like it. 
that's that was the only thing I didn't like about the scene. <laughs> but did Hannibal set a, a second plate for someone else, or was that just salad? Because yeah, that was like, a lot of food. He yeah, made. I was like, did he set it for somebody else? No, I think he. It, it was just uh, again. It was uh, several Three courses. courses. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, who's the plate for? <laughs> he probably did so invite someone over for all we know, that but he left it for Will. <laughs> It's a spirit plate. One for my homies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for those that don't know, a spirit plate is what uh, is a part of the feast in Native cultures where you leave some for the ancestors. Mm. So, hint, hint, Bradford. That's, <laughs> That's what we're drinking right now. Yeah. Pizza. <laughs> I think Hannibal would like pizza. And then, of course, oh my God, the freaking like just like gets you in the nuts was when Doctor Demori <laughs> visits Will. And then she just whispers in that, you know, Jillian Anderson yeah. voice of hers, I believe you. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, I got a friend, but she's like, yeah, but I'm leaving now. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, that was me dropping a drink. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was kind of intimate. Like, she went really close to the bars, and he, like, mm-hmm. really, like leaned forward, too. And then, yeah, but I like, get away from the bars. I felt that that was very Hannibal Bedelia type, because, like, Hannibal does that sort of thing to her. And, like... I think she feels like she knows well better than, than she does. Mm. Well, she says that, right? But I think also, too, it was a trust thing. You know, like, you know, if she was lying, she probably she could have just easily have said it three feet away from the bars. But she's like, "Getting into I'm space. going into your space. Everyone says it's dangerous, but I know it's not. So Because I trust you. I trust you. And I, I believe you. you. So ah, that's why. You're sticking with your noodle. <laughs> <laughs> I use my noodle. I got a B.A. <laughs> I went to university. Um, D's get degrees, kids. <laughs> no, I didn't get D's. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I think that whole exercise is like, cause that's what gesture can you do to make Will believe you? Yeah. That I believe you, you know. So she did that, and that's why he was like, <gasps> you know. And I'm like, like, she's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, poor Willie. Well, but then nobody like, like believed him. Yeah. Mm. So how you know finally having someone who does believe him, he's like probably have, he wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what Bev said too. What he told Bev, um, Bev doesn't believe him. Mm. Like, and that's his like best friend basically in the show. Aww. And it's like Winston not believing him. Like, yeah. <laughs> but but, but Winston, Winston is best good friend. Winston believes him. Yeah. <laughs> but like Bev, uh, he tells Bev not to to go about as if he's not guilty. Mm. And she's like, and she's like, well, I can't do that. Like, obviously, I can't give that to you. And he's like, okay, go about finding evidence. And if there's evidence against me, you'll find it. Mm. But if there's evidence against that says it wasn't me, you'll find that too. And I was like, ah, smart. He's like, he's going in on her scientific side. But then, like, uh, I think that's what hurts him because, like, she doesn't believe him. Well, yeah, I thought, like, you could see it. Like, it just felt so painful when he was, like, moving towards her in his cell and she took a step back. back yeah. And you can yes. hear, well, again, because I was listening with headphones. <laughs> you can hear her actually going. Yeah. And she's stepping back, you know, because she's afraid. And it's like. It's well-founded as, as far as the evidence goes, the evidence you know? the evidence shows he killed a bunch of people. Exactly. So, like, you like know, terribly. She, she wants to believe him, but at the same time, you still got to, mm-hmm. you know, she's got that training to be, like, yeah, to be on guard. Like, but he's cautious. such a puppy. I, mean, I know, yeah. and that felt like that would probably hurt me more than anything as if someone, like, you go up to him thinking, like, they'll trust you, and then they step back out of fear, then it's like, oh, shit. Well, when the evidence so. comes out about me, like, I hope you guys will be. 
Knock on wood. So they'll never find out. Oh god! Well, what's that line from uh, RT Crowd when they're like, "What would your uh, serial killer modus operandi be?" I'd be called the gardener because I'd leave a rose at every crime. <laughs> I'm like, "What do you be from Vendetta?" Like, it's terrible. But yeah, I always think of that when I'm talking. About it. I could never be a serial killer, though. I care too much about people. I'm the will in the situation. What was it? Uh, my husband was like, if you ever want to kill me, make sure... I forget what he said. He was saying something. If you ever want to kill me, make sure you do this and that. I said, no offense, baby, but that, that sounds like too much work. I'd probably just divorce you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no offense. I go, but, you know. But if you are, and this is a satirical podcast, so don't. But women yeah. are known for poisoning their family, so kill someone outside of your family. <laughs> if you're a woman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being creepy now because we're <laughs> Now, from what I learned with, uh, from uh, forensic files and poisoning is you can still screw that up a lot because mm-hmm. if you don't do it in the right doses, well, either A, you'll kill them right away and it doesn't, and there's no point, and then it's obvious, or you give them too little doses in over too much a span of time and then they start building a tolerance. They'll still get sick, but they won't die. So on the time you're ready to, like, you know, give them a buttload of whatever um we'll have the situation of the start yeah they'll they're they will be sick but they'll be really hard for them to die so well that's how they determine um if a kid is suffering from Montrezl by proxy they'll Mm. um they'll put the kid in the hospital and if the they get better because the mom is not nearby then they know that's what it is like that's what happens in hospitals because they're like okay whatever the mom is giving the kid is not having an effect anymore because the mom's not here ergo which is scary to me again from that perspective of the people you love hurting you it's like oh, i trust you why are you hurting me blah 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 so i think that was in an episode of house <laughs> i think so yeah, too. they found like they took the it was like the mom or the dad i think it was the mom yeah, yeah it was in six sense too where one of the oh, yeah, yeah. one of the ghosts was uh her mom was poisoning yeah. her food or something oh, i remember one time i was watching that movie my mom came from around the corner and grabbed me when that little ghost <laughs> grabs you so me and Kate, my sister, were watching The Ring, and this was back when, like, home phone lines were a thing. So we're watching The Ring, it ends, and the second the credits come up, the phone rings, <laughs> and we're screaming. Yes. And, Perfect and, timing. And we just scream at dad, it's just the phone, it's my grandmother. But I love movies like that. But, okay, move right. on. But, um, so is Bedelia placing seeds of doubt about Hannibal with the FBI? Because she goes to talk to Jack. And says, well, I can't tell you anything, but watch Hannibal's ass. <laughs> sort of it's basically what she says. Like, don't trust him. Like, he's kind of... Oh, yeah, I found it interesting because she's trying her best not to, I guess, because he asks her, are you pleading the fifth? Which everyone knows means I did something, but I, you know, I have a right not to testify against <laughs> myself, against something. But then she goes, no, I'm not. You know, it's just uh, I choose not to talk to anybody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, she is hinting, but not. But well, she, she is indicating, like, I, I'm kind of fearing for my safety. So I'm just going to, you know, get the hell out of here. And so. I love when she's like, you don't contact me either. Yeah. I don't want you to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just <was> like, yeah. <laughs> she was really cool in this episode. Yeah, she was. She was super cool. She's one of my favorite characters on the show. But um, I, no, me and JJ, knowing what we know about Bedelia, she does owe him debt. And I think that's why she's like, okay, like, I can't say, hmm. like, watch your back, <laughs> sort of thing. It's like if somebody owed me a debt, I would be like, well, I'm pointing. You can't see it on the <laughs> 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 
It's like I've been watching you the whole time. It's like, where's my hundred dollars, Hannibal? <laughs> Well, it's like nothing to him. It's like a dollar, I guess. But a dollar. Well, how much do you think he makes? I think we brought this up before. We he did. Thought, yeah. Well, let's look at what's therapy in Baltimore. How much <laughs> is what is, is it therapy or psychi- psychiatry? Psychiatry. Yeah. So he's a medical doctor. Psych- psychotherapy. Yeah, psychotherapy. How much is psychotherapy in Baltimore? But moving on real quick while JJ looks that up, I was here for Hugh Dancy being naked in that mural. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know it's he's amongst dead bodies and stuff, but <sighs> it's like very <laughs> Like he's very cute. I love him. <laughs> but it's also nearly that time of the month, so oh. uh, BTMI. I'm oh, sorry. I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I was. So, yeah, that was nice. <laughs> For once, I don't creep you guys because that was way too creepy to find it. <laughs> well, he had the hand on his face and stuff, and it was like obviously there. It just um, maybe like those ace feels they'll be like, oh, but I like him better in his fishing outfit. It's like, oh, I like you better as a brain. <laughs> I'm not attracted to your body. Just your cute face. He's adorable. Wait, I'm looking at him up again. You oh, you guys Tumblr. don't do that. I'll, that's actually not I'll that bring expensive up something. for therapy in Baltimore. How much oh. is that? Uh, the most I'm seeing is 200, it, but it can be as little as 80. An hour, An hour. Right? Oh. Yeah. But he is considering his pedigree and being from John Hopkins, and, like, mm-hmm. he could probably charge, like, 300 dollars an hour. That's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. Like, it, like he probably doesn't need to have, like, lots of patients, and it, he can... Well, how many did he have on his, on his schedule? Like, five, I think? In that list, he had... Maybe six. He had, like, six or seven in there, yeah. And I don't know and I imagine um, Will is not paying. There's that shot, like, from the first season. <laughs> where he's all sad. Where he's all sad because it shows Will 730 and he's oh. not there. <laughs> and then he drives all the way I back to, to uh, uh, what the hell is FBI? Where's FBI again? Uh, Quantico. Quantico. Yeah. So he drives all the way to Quantico. And I remember Googling how long it was. <laughs> it's about a two-hour drive. Time, yeah. And he gets there in an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> So he was hauling ass to go see <laughs> his baby Will. Nobody likes uh, the thirsty man. <laughs> well, let's let, let's do the math then. So let's pretend he d- charges three hundred an hour. American. American times seven patients. So in one day he can make twenty one hundred. So he's got a lot of money. And well, let's, and let's pretend he works uh, five times five every day, or do you think maybe it's four a five, times? five nights a week? Five. Okay, so times times five. He makes $10,000 a week. $10,000 a week-ish. Oh, and then times two, there, 21000 <laughs> every two weeks. He's in a tire tax bracket. Oh, <laughs> That's no why he can afford what he does. Oh, in a beautiful house. Oh, I was saying how, you know how he took, like, the foot and he, like, he was, like, sewing that guy in and everything? Uh, I was saying how, you know, the whole story of Hannibal will change so drastically. If he only kills, like, killers, and then he'll be, like, a hero. <laughs> yeah, that's Dexter, isn't it? <laughs> it's not yeah. Dexter. As you can tell, I haven't watched that either. <laughs> oh, I, I read the books. I didn't like the books, so it didn't get me into the show. So. Yeah, it's the whole premise of Dexter is uh, <laughs> his his whole um, his murder thing in his head manifests as the ghost of his dad. Because his dad knew what he was, or I guess his adoptive dad. His dad, yeah. Yeah, his, his dad knew what he was from a young age. And so, and I think his dad was a cop too. Yeah, and his dad was like, yeah. okay, only use this against bad Yeah, guys. so like he let he let his son kill, you know, other killers, other serial killers. Oh. And that's how he justifies 
you know, oh, killing. killing. Yeah, so, but... Because he can't, like... Yeah. He's not killing bad people. It's like the Staten interview. He just has, like, this itch he has to... Yeah. <laughs> he can't scratch. He kills the evildoer, you mm-hmm. know. And so he becomes a bla- blood spatter expert with uh, his local uh, cops. I'm talking about Dexter still. <laughs> <laughs> and so that way he's able to mimic, uh, you know, crime scenes, you know, oh, when they... Okay, okay. And through the whole season one, one guy totally suspects him from day one. You're weird. You're probably a killer. And then sure enough, you know. <laughs> I just spoiled all the season one of Dexter. <laughs> but, but I like how... Um, it's not that great a show anyway. Oh, uh, don't let was, Angel hear you say that. Well, Shout it, out Angel. It was, it was... I watched the first two seasons and it was okay. First season was kind of, oh yeah, alright, let's give it... I watched season two and I was kind of like, uh, okay. And then season three I was like, uh, and then I stopped. I see like the DVD box art and it was like creeps me out because you know it's his face but it's like a Blood dead hand yeah. post-mortem hand yeah it's just like mm. <laughs> it's so gross but how do they make Mads Mikkelsen scarier for this episode by making him skinny as hell emancipated like I don't know like his face on the Wendigo's body that, mm. every time I see it I get shivers because yeah. it's so it's just so creepy and I love the sound effect every time he it's appears like, that, that weird uh, <laughs> vroom, vroom, vroom thing like I forget the name of that it's like a brown thing. nose or something you know? uh, brown nose black nose I can't remember what it's called I, don't know. I, just, I just know it's a thing he swings around that oh, makes that um, noise yeah, I had a toy like that when I was a kid. That yeah. So whenever I hear it, I'm like, the Wendigo's nearby. It's like, oh my god. Um, but, uh, let's see. Just FYI for everybody, there's no death penalty in Maryland. So uh, uh, our boy Will would not be sentenced to death if he got tried for all the crimes of the Chesapeake River. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that ended in 2013. And since this, we can assume this episode takes place in 2014. We can assume Will is safe. Hmm. So you'd just be spending all this time with Chilton for the rest of his life. He got accused of... I know you'd like that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, man, Ralph Sparza is beautiful. I don't know. It's like, he, becomes a, he becomes a bigger character later this season and next. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. I like his eyes. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So oh. my favorite line of the show is when Bedelia tells Will at his jail cell, the traumatized are unpredictable because we can survive. That was one of, like, I remember hearing it for the first time. I was like, wow, she's wise. Because <laughs> I, I really like that because it's true. Like, she, like, she's obviously been hurt. We don't find her out from what. We just know that she's been attacked by a patient. And I just love that one. I wish I could get a tattooed or something. I won't, but it's too long. <laughs> Does she but. show up again in later episodes? Yeah. Okay. She'll show up. <laughs> She'll be oh, back. Gosh. That tone of voice, you guys. We'll see Bedelia again. <laughs> uh, but I love when when Hannibal gets got by Bedelia. Because that proves that she, on some level, is smarter than he is. I love that. Like, that was, yeah, that was great at the end when she wasn't home. It was like, yeah. She was yeah, that was, she was gone. <laughs> that was awesome. Just left her perfume. Yeah, so he can't find her ever again. Yeah, I was like, yes, queen. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> well, I love Julian Anderson ever since uh, the X Files when I was a kid. Like, um, I, I used to scare people would come over for uh, sleepovers because I had this huge poster of the X Files in my room <laughs> with like a scary light in their faces. It was great, and I just, I just love her in that that show. I but. hate the theme song for the X Files only because of that <laughs> that um, episode in The Simpsons, which I will never watch again because it's. <laughs> It scared me so much as a kid. Oh, yeah, when they were oh, playing with, with Mr. Um, Mr. Br- oh, God, it's so creepy. I cannot. I love. Shut up. 
kind of traumatized me so I can't even like listen to the X-Files music without like getting well, flashbacks X-Files so scary. I love the X-Files it's like one of my well like later seasons earlier seasons were my favorite just because I, I hated it when it got a, it got a little ahead, ahead of itself but mm. it was still pretty cool like it was one of my favorite shows because like you I wasn't allowed to watch it so of course like what did I do watch it <laughs> yeah. and I get scared <laughs> so I was like because I'm one of those nerds that's totally into the paranormal stuff, and it's like, I'm gonna believe. Like, I was trying to pitch a, um, a ghost show with a bunch of us in town just to see, like, what we'd see. Because I know so many people that don't believe in ghosts. So I'm like, man, wouldn't it be fun if we all went there and saw something? <laughs> we should start doing our own, like, you know, paranormal investigations <laughs> <laughs> and just, just do a, our own web series for it. Oh, yeah, that'd be so funny because we'd just be screaming the whole yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> It's just going to be a, lot, a lot of screaming. There. We won't actually see a ghost. Just be us. <laughs> it won't just be us like freaking out the whole time. It's like, oh, the house is settling. What is that? Oh, it's just the house settling. What's that? Oh, oh I see a shadow. Oh, wait, it's a line. <laughs> it's a sign. <laughs> so we're at an hour. Oh, okay. But so, um, so I guess we've come to the end of the episode. And I was just wondering, like, uh, like where do you think the well I, I know JJ's gonna know where the, where the show goes from here but it's like <laughs> how do you feel about Will's changing changing so much from season one like cause he he is not the person he was in season mm. one I think we discussed that last episode but it's still a pretty cool thing to see how much Will Graham has changed it's like I want his dogs back can't we go back to the simpler days oh so I, not like in personality but like just his environment well, a personality environment. Because he still seems like the Will from season that one. That we in love. <laughs> yes, but, you know, he's he's alone <laughs> now. And he just, he's alone with his thoughts. And he's not, you know. Speaking of, like, yeah, like, does he do nothing but sit in his cell and, like, look at the wall? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't yeah. have anything in there, right? He doesn't have any books. He doesn't have any, like, writing. He has he his imagination. He just has the stream. The his fishing stream. stream. <laughs> Which is getting scarier and scarier each time we go back. So. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't He's quite sure alone. what it was with the, the people floating by in the stream. I was just like, does he feel guilty about that? Like, I guess that's always his thing. He always feels a little guilty. But I'm just like, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what was going on know. with that one. My, but, um, I think because, you know, he knows about, like, what they're investigating with the murder cases. So even though he's in his own little world, it's still in the back of his mind that there's this thing this still thing going happening, on. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe he feels responsible for Hannibal's deaths, like Hannibal's killings. And that like the bodies in the water represent like all the people that Hannibal has killed. Oh you, oh, you think they're uh, people Hannibal killed? I thought mm-hmm. they were people from the mural. I That's thought what, that too, but that, then that I, was like, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, well, maybe he's better than no one believes that Hannibal's the killer. Hmm. <laughs> and again, I, I mentioned it before, but I really like how realistic they are with... Because we all know Hannibal is a killer. We've known that since the beginning. Since the show started, we've known Hannibal is a killer. But I like that they, they make it plausible that you wouldn't know. Because, like, who would suspect this guy? Like, he's so nice. And, like, he gives money to the Philharmonic. And, like, he has dinner parties with meat that tastes weird. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it just makes me laugh. Because I'm like, okay. Because if the show was a little bit more hackneyed, I probably wouldn't like it. But it's really beautiful. I love the show. I'm just saying that right now. I'm like, ah. I'm developing a new love for it. <laughs> but as we come to the end of the show, I wanted to find out what is your favorite and least favorite bits of this episode. So let's... My favorite and least favorite is, like, the 
It's like the the beginning and the end. <laughs> Basically, like my worst is the beginning because of the guy. Oh. I was rooting for him so much. <laughs> so that wanted him. Now you can better. have the rest of it. Yeah, and I felt so bad. Like he was so cool, and then he jumped off the cliff. Oh, oh gosh, I like cringed so hard when he hit that cliff. Yeah, oh. that was rough. Uh, wait, I should pull up the scene from Kiss the Girls where the similar thing happened. She survives. But, yeah, like, uh, but, yeah, least favorite is the same scene. It's like, it was good, but it was bad. Just, like, also <laughs> reminds me of Outlast. Oh, yeah. Like, well, it it kind of made me laugh, but also scared at the same time. because <laughs> yeah, uh, if you didn't watch the stream, it's available on you and I will magnify's YouTube channel, which is my YouTube channel. Me, Celeste, and my friend Sage were playing Outlast, and there was a scene where I got lost in the cornfield without a flashlight, <laughs> so we're just running around, running around. Oh, this guy's chasing you, too. Chasing me, too. Who had flashlights? <laughs> and so everybody's just screaming the whole time. <laughs> it was great. It was fun. But cornfields suck. Anyway. <laughs> but how about you, JJ? What was your favorite and least favorite part of this episode? Well, I gotta say my favorite was uh, the classic gif, <laughs> the gif scene of Hannibal up in, up in the little thing saying, I love your work. <laughs> that was really my favorite. But again, I get, it's just one of those things, again, where it's just because I see it all the time on Tumblr, so I, I, I just become partial to stuff. It doesn't matter if it's good. <laughs> um, but I guess what I dislike the most is just the scene between Will and that was that FBI director? Yeah, the the Rana. person who's looking into uh, <laughs> the whatchamacallit, the, yeah. the investigation into the internal affairs. Mm -hmm. like, Every time she shows up, I just it reminds me of Sex and City. Yeah, like, what are you like, doing, ah! This is what you do now. <laughs> what are you doing, FBI? <laughs> but it just frustrates me because we all know. Will is, is innocent, and it's so frustrating. And so it, he's just like, I guess I have to save myself, you know? Yeah, it's him against the world. And yeah, like, it's just yeah, frustrating. We know you're going to. Boo-boo. <laughs> just like calling him that. But that'd be yeah. it. So. <laughs> Boo-boo. We love you. Yeah. I think that's why they cast Hugh Dancy, so you can feel like, oh, little Hugh Dancy. We'll see. <laughs> it's like run off with him. <laughs> but uh, what's my least favorite? Favorite and least favorite? Favorite was Bedelia, this episode. Um, even knowing what I know about her, I, I think that she's still a compelling character. That's one of my favorite things about this show. Even if the characters suck, like, I, I was really liking Lana this episode, too. Because, like, she is really behind Will. Even if she does think, oh, my God, like, all the evidence is pointing to him. Like, he's he's done it, but I have to prove he hasn't. And, like, people mentioning that she she is looking at... Oh, I guess the women of this episode are my favorite part of the episode. And But least favorite probably how realistic the gore was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I didn't I could not remember the scene where he was cutting the foot with the the bandsaw and there's a scene where the the skin moves that freaked me out so much I was like eh, <laughs> but yeah that was my least favorite <laughs> Man, I did not realize. Well, the budget increased this year, this year right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that. Like you already that. tell with like uh, some of the way they set the scenes and with all, well the freaking people in the mural, right? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people to get to tell to lie down in a spot <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> for two, how many hours while they're shooting those several scenes? So yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, yep, we got budget this year. Mm -hmm. It's like we gotta make things bigger and so better. So those were like actual actors, and not yeah. like mannequins. Uh, yeah, they're act they're actors. Oh wow! Let me look it up. Uh, they're uh, what do you call them? They're mural um, extras. Well, they're not extras. They're actual like dancers or performers because they have to lie in a certain way and all together. So yeah, like they're. I'm pretty sure they're they're actual like dancers and stuff. Let me see. I'm trying to find some behind the scenes right now. Oh, you found the foot. <laughs> I know. I was like, why did you show that? <laughs> Yeah, it's just like people like yeah. Here's like a bunch of pictures of them lying on each other. 
Wow. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, the, um, oh man, I love the behind the scenes. Yeah, here's the, here they are practicing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a practice. Cool. Yeah, I think there was a note somewhere saying, like, they were wondering, like, how do we do that? Is it CGI, or do we need to, like, bring Add in, like, people. do we need, like, yeah, like, like dummies, mannequins, or do we bring in actual people? And they're like, you know what? We just got to bring in real people, or else it just won't look right, so we got to well, do practical it. practical effects are always the best. They are. Yeah, because, like, um, I was listening to a podcast, I think it was probably Laser Time, no, uh, not Laser Time, um, The Brighter Side, which is a kid comedy radio podcast. And they were talking about how CGI does not look as scary as um, as practical effects. And it's true, because, like, things in this thing, like, even though the thing is kind of hokey and goofy in some parts, like the scene with uh, the guy's head on a, on a little trindle of his body when it becomes a spider, mm. kind of goofy. But it's scary because it, you know it's a real head. Yeah, it's <laughs> tangible, you know? Yeah, it's like you can touch it. It's like, That's why it's so creepy because it looks so off. And I love that. Let's see if I can find it. I'll scare Celeste. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just show you the picture. No, but. but yeah, like, uh, so where can we find you on Instagram, Twitter? You can find me on Instagram and Tumblr at Satuma, S-A-T-U-M-W-A-H. You can find me on Tumblr and Twitter <laughs> uh, at JJ Neeps. And you can find me on Instagram as JJ Neepin Films. And be sure to check out JJ's film Headdress through hey. CBC Docs, which is a really good movie. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Uh, and we, me, her family, and everybody else who loves her, we're trying to defend her from all the people who are like, do you really know what that means, JJ? Oh, yeah. and so, stay off the comments. Yeah, stay so off the comments. Just stay away from the comments. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty Anyway, watch. She, <laughs> she, she linked it on her Tumblr. But for me, uh, I'm honey underscore child on Twitter, honey dash child on Tumblr, and Saranic Nanu on Instagram. We also have uh, Hannibal Torniabachi Instagram, uh, a Tumblr, which I often link to uh, JJ and uh, I was about to call Satuma. Celeste, <laughs> also link from. And so, yeah, like check us out there. Also, email us at HannibalTorniabachi at gmail.com. And Celeste, here's the picture of the thing from the movie. The thing. Just all just his face? Yeah, because, like, uh, in the movie, the thing is, like, this monster that can take over (laughs) anybody's body. Like, they look like people. And so it's pulling its head away from the the body that they're trying to burn. And it turns into a spider. It's really gross. Anyway. I love that it shows, like, the thing. Like, the superhero. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the superhero thing. That's not what I wanted. But anyway, please email us. Write write and subscribe on iTunes. Send us messages. I've been getting some Tumblr messages, so I'm really happy to hear you guys for that. So, like, like us. Send us messages. Well, we can also like answer questions too. Oh yeah, please. questions, please. We're always here for that. <laughs> we, we do love the dialogue because we we are starting. Like I think next episode, I'm gonna probably mention that really cool Tumblr post I saw about how Hannibal is um, a women's power fantasy. So I think I'll read that next episode. But yeah, like please like us, subscribe, check us out on Tumblr, send us mm-hmm. messages. Love you. <laughs> right? Bye. Bye.